What's up, everybody? This is Russ Dornish with Crossfire Faith and Gaming, and welcome to our very first ever spoiler cast. I'm joined by my co-host, uh, the Reverend David Petty. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, yes, this is a spoiler cast. So uh, if you have not played The Last of Us Part Two and you don't want spoilers, turn off your radio right now. Crossfire! you have not played the last of us and you like spoilers or you don't care that we're going to spoil everything about the game then keep listening or if you've played and you want to hear more commentary uh, and awesomeness from us that is what we're going to give you over the next 45 minutes to an hour and uh yeah so russ take us into it last of us okay. part two well so i'm excited we already had a discussion briefly we both said we love the game um you hadn't finished the game so i just want to know uh after finishing the game and hitting the ending, did you still love this game? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to use a phrase. This is a, a phrase that I'm going to borrow from um, What's Good Games, uh, which is that I it, it was a game that I loved, that I hated, that I didn't like how it made me feel, but I loved that it made me feel. <sighs> yeah. Um, like, like, like going to a movie that you're like, oh my gosh, that movie made me cry my freaking eyes out and I was super sad uh, and I hated it, but you also have to acknowledge what a good movie it was to make you cry that hard. That was that was this game. I, I liken it too. I, I heard uh, somebody tweet out um, when it first came out was like, this is the Schindler's List of video games. Oh. Um, and we can all we can all say that Schindler's List is an amazing movie. But would I sit down on my Sunday afternoon just randomly and pop in Schindler's List to watch? Right. No, yeah. because of the feelings that it makes me feel. Yeah. For me, it would be Boy in the Striped Pajamas. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, For some reason, the Holocaust is very sad. Well, that um, too. Um, that the was, other, that the was other probably movie, bad of me to make Holocaust. The other movie I would say, uh, Christian-wise, would maybe The Passion of the Christ. Like that's not a movie sure. you pop in on a Friday. Yeah, night, no, that's but... you're not like, hey guys, what do you guys want to watch? Uh, this movie's about yeah. Jesus. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was a. I mean, it was a game that made me feel all sorts of feelings about it and about other games. Um, having finished it, like it's it's hard to think about picking up another game without thinking the things that it made me think. Um, yeah, I. So I would say overall. Um, this is a masterpiece of a game. Um, I think it's ridiculous that anybody out there who played it um, said that they didn't like it unless it's, you know, for some small reason, like a like a button thing. But I respect your opinion, but I will disagree because uh, I think it was a masterpiece. Uh, hats off to Neil Druckmann and the team at Naughty Dog for giving us a masterpiece that I, I also want to say um, excellent job taking a risk um i think we're seeing far too many video games these days that take zero risk and they say okay here's a military shooter where you have some loot and you shoot each other or here's an, another assassin's creed game i love assassin's creed but still um that's the same as everything else you're going to go from place to place you're going to learn a little bit about the region and it's going to be the same naughty dog said now we're going to take some really bold really big risks um, probably because of the success of last of us part one, I think it paid off for him. Um, but I've hats off for taking risks and I would love to see more game developers take more risks. Give us great art. Uh, don't just give us a good, good piece of commerce. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think they definitely, they took a huge risk. And I, I hate that, you know, I hear all the time from gamers, it's like, you know, games don't take a risk anymore. Why don't they take a risk? And here's a game that did, and it's gotten mixed results because of it. But I'd say the majority of people at this point, besides, you know, the few people that are the the loud minority, as they're called, because of, you know, the the homosexual agenda, the, the violence, whatever you want to say, um, I, I do believe that, like you said, it's a masterpiece. I feel like it's going to win game of the year. Um, you know, a lot of people I've seen have said like, while other games are more fun and they're all this, it's like nothing comes to create this form of media and this, um, this art like this game does. And this kind of has to represent your game of the year. You don't think animal crossing is going to take game of the year? You know, it's fun. It's great. Uh, I've I've heard some people say Doom Eternal because again, that's just a no. mindless dumb shooter. <laughs> no. And I'm like, no. no. Um, Ghost of Tsushima that just came out, it's getting great great reviews and great praise from people. But I I don't think it's deep enough, and it still has a lot of flaws. It has a lot of flaws. Right. And I will say that this game almost does not have any flaws from how perfect the game is. I didn't have any glitches or anything happen. The story is fantastic. The acting is fantastic. Um, the gameplay well improved over the original Last of Us. And if you want to call that game of the year, then this has to jump up that much further because the gameplay got that much better. Yeah. So, well, so what we're going to do for the spoiler cast for everybody here, um, again, spoilers happening starting now. They're going to be happening. Um, I'm going to go through the story kind of chapter by chapter. And if there's something that we want to talk about or discuss, um, then one of us will bring it up if we kind of remember the chapter and kind of go from the start to the end. Um, so you guys kind of have an idea of what the game is like and our thoughts on the different pieces from the game. So this is a good companion if you are playing the game. Um, but if you don't want to play the game and you like spoilers, which we know some people do, um, this will kind of give you an overview of the game as well. So the first uh, overall chapter um, is Jackson. So that is uh, chapter one. And there's a bunch of sub chapters that make up each of these major chapters. Uh, but Jackson obviously starts out in the city of Jackson, Wyoming, which we kind of left off um, from Last of Us Part 1. You do get a little bit of a uh, kind of Last of Us Part 1 summary, um, if I recall correctly, at the beginning, um, which was kind of cool because they redid some of the scenes from Last of Us 1 in the new engine. Um, and it looks great. So that was kind of cool. Um, and then you kind of get, oh yeah, because you get to see you get to see Joel kind of explain what happened to uh, to his brother. Right. Yeah. And I, I think for me, the the whole thing in Jackson, um, I would have loved to play more, quite frankly. Um, you know, granted, that's not the story that they were telling, but it was it was a fascinating area. It was a fascinating um, it was beautifully set, um, you know, and so I, it was almost like, you know, give me like another couple hours to just hang out in Jackson and do fun stuff around here. Um, but they pretty quickly whisk you away from that into Abby and into uh, the rest of that story. But yeah, overall I thought Jackson was beautiful. I, I love the way that they portrayed the um, kind of the relationship of, you know, Ellie's grown now. She's kind of a teenager. There's kind of this strain between her and Joel, but you're not really sure why. Um, yeah. Overall I liked Jackson. It was, it was fun to play through. So yeah, I'm going to skip waking up because that's just kind of you waking up as Ellie getting your gear, getting ready to go out on a patrol. Um, it's kind of getting to know what Ellie's life is now like in Jackson. Um, to kind of the shocking point, um, one of the shocking points, there are many, 
Um, but the Overlook chapter, which is where you take control of Abby, a new character that we know nothing about. You're literally just thrown into this character um, and you're getting very small bits and pieces as they go. Um, her and, um, shoot, I should have wrote down some of the characters' names. Uh, Owen. What's his? Owen. Yep. So Abby and Owen are overlooking Jackson and they are looking for somebody, but we don't know who or right. what or why. Um, what were your thoughts on taking control of Abby? Um, did that surprise you? Well, all first off, but before I answer that, um, did you immediately recognize Abby as the the mystery girl from the trailers? No, I didn't think about it for a okay. second. Um, and then later on, when you take control of her again, I'm like, wait a second, because remember in the Overlook, she's wearing a jacket. Right. Um, yeah, she's wearing a jacket. It, she's got a beanie. So yeah, it, it took lot. me until I saw her in the tank top with the pony. Yep. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's this. Yep. Is, yep I'm playing. Okay. There we go. Um, so. Which I also realized, you know, looking back on it, I, I didn't realize how big of a voice actor Laura Bailey was, oh, you know? Geez. So when they announced Laura Bailey as a mystery woman and she talked about, you know, trying to live up to, uh, you know, the performances of, um, of, uh, Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker, I remember at that time seeing it and thinking like, well, this is not a minor character if she's talking about living up to those performances. So, you know, is this Ellie's mom or there was a lot of, a lot of question about that. Um, but back to the overlook um, for me, I, it took me a while to even realize I was playing a different player. I was like, is this, is she just got a different hairdo? I don't, you know, she looks a little different, but like Ellie already looks different compared to the first game. Um, the other thing that just really bugged me so many times in this game was, uh, you know, just the common sense. I'm like, okay, seriously, you're in a post-apocalyptic world. There's zombies everywhere. And Owen's like, yeah, I'm going to go back. And you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to keep going on. Um, that drove me nuts. But, you know, looking at it now, you realize that drive and that revenge and that desire to say, you know, nothing will stop me. Not even a question of not being able to survive because I want revenge for what happened to my father, you know? Which, yeah. which ultimately is the same thing that drives them both throughout the game is this, this person, this father figure that I loved was murdered and I'm going to, I'm going to stop at nothing to enact revenge. And we'll give, I mean, I, I want to give kudos to what Laura Bailey did with the character. And I mean, just so you know, she is a huge actor, uh, actress. Um, the big thing is she's actually, so there's a group of voice actors that are all best friends, like best friends. It's Troy Baker, Ashley Johnson, um, Laura Bailey, and then Laura Bailey's husband, who is another voice in this game, and he is he voices so many different characters in games all across. So it's kind of funny. Anytime you play a game, one of those people is probably in the game, and right. if one of them's in the game, probably all of them are in the game somewhere. They, yeah, I looked totally up a list cool. of Laura Bailey games, and it was like, oh, it's so. it's just like Troy Baker. It's um, Ashley Johnson, not as much, but she's in the nerd culture. Um, she actually does a podcast group that plays D and D online um with laura bailey um yeah. her husband um all those guys so it's it's kind of a cool thing but so so we obviously so back to the overlook um so the other thing that i i want to say just about gameplay um was you know it kind of struck me uh it caught me a little off guard how many infected you were fighting off with abby how quickly it was like i just started playing this game and you're throwing everybody at me like like i must have died a dozen times um and I, I don't just credit that to my poor gamemanship um but it was hard you know and it was like even the time when i when i die that you're supposed to get caught you know by one of them i was like you know was 
I thought I was doing good. Um, but that was a good like deep dive into the, you know, throw you into the deep end of this world of infected. Um, so anything else about the overlook or you want to jump ahead um, to well, and, and then on the on, patrol on, on the gameplay aspect? Yeah. It, it, it teaches you the new duck mechanic, the, you know, dive out of the way does a good job of throwing you in learning the new uh, melee mechanics which honestly every naughty dog game i've ever played every single one um expands on the melee combat um all the way from uncharted through the last of us um and i think they finally got it right this one feels more organic there's not like button presses that pop up or anything like that which some of the other games have had so i think they did a great job so we move on um you're following ellie and dina Dina's another new character um, who we find out Ellie likes um, and Dina likes her. And so they're, we don't know if they're officially girlfriend, boyfriend, people are calling them that. I mean, girlfriend, girlfriend. Um, And so uh, you kind of get to see their flirtatious adventure together and it leads up to them kind of getting stranded um, and kind of a, you know, a, a big moment to just show where their relationship is, where they finally, you know, come together and, and it's obvious that, that it's now an official relationship um, between right. them. So I think that was a good way to start that off. And it did make me start to feel for Dina pretty quickly. Um, so what do you think about you? What, what was your thoughts on Dina and her introduction to the story? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, you know, for one, um, I was really curious how people who may not have uh, a lot of exposure to same-sex relationships, um, you know, how that would have struck them. You know, if, if it would have been kind of an instant frustration or if it was a curiosity um, for me personally, it was it was. a Yeah. OK. These two people really like each other. There's there's love here. Um, the other thing, you know, which I, I love to point out in this kind of stuff is even if you're not familiar with these kind of relationships, you know, you're playing a game in a post a post apocalyptic world with infected people and bloaters. And, uh, you know, so learn something new about about, you know, the world around you and and you know, understand that, that even if you don't agree with it, you know, relationships, uh, in a post-apocalyptic world, are probably even more different than you might be familiar with, uh, in the current time. So, uh, but I liked, I thought Dina as a character was great. Um, I also thought, you know, Shannon Woodward voicing her was phenomenal. Um, and so I think that that interplay, you know, between Ashley Johnson and Shannon Woodward, um, yeah, it, it was a very believable, um, relationship and, you know, and it had those kind of moments of, uh, of tension. It, it wasn't overly, um, caricaturized, you know, it, it felt very real, very authentic, uh, like any relationship, um, same sex or not. So I thought Dina's introduction was great. Yeah, I think it was perfect. Um, so now we're going to move into, I'm going to combine two chapters because they kind of go hand okay. in hand, but the horde and the chalet, because the big moment happened. Okay, hold on. Before we get there, I, I want to talk a little bit about the patrol, the horde, and the chalet all at the same time, uh, and okay. just say just say how blown away I was when I started exploring the world in the patrol with Ellie. You know, walking around, just the detail. I mean, I found myself oh. wanting to spend hours and hours in every single building that I stepped into. I wanted to read all the magazines. I wanted to look at what was on the wall. Um, and so, I just want to say hats off to Naughty Dog for the amount of detail that they put into this game. It was neat every time you stumbled upon one of those PlayStations and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's a PlayStation over there. Uh, which <laughs> did you know that you can't destroy the PlayStations? Uh, I did notice that. I tried doing different things. <laughs> saw, um, well, same with the Vitas that are in the game. Right. There are multiple yeah, Vitas. I saw that uh, if you somebody said that there's a contract that if you include a PlayStation in your game, it cannot be yeah. destroyable. So, you know, your your reticle goes from red on everything else to when you go over the PlayStation, it becomes gray. 
You can't shoot at it. It's, it's a cool little nod. Um, Naughty Dog does that in a lot of their games. I love when they do that. They do throwbacks to Uncharted. There are a couple of those in here. Um, there's a, and I don't know. Did you did have you really done any, Hotline like, Miami deep dives? No, uh, I haven't. I haven't gone back. I mean, personally, so this is you know back to the whole thing about the ending and all that. It's been hard for me to even think about picking up the game again. It's like, I, okay, I got to the end of the story, and I don't know if I want to go back. Like, like I want to go back. I want to start over again and play the whole thing again. But I don't. I don't know if I just want to like jump in chapter at a time. It, it feels like I'm not honoring the story to do that. I. I don't know. It feels weird. It's, it's just. It's it's different rough. than any other game um, I've ever played. But one of the one of the collectibles, they always have like a strange artifact um, in their games, which usually ties to another game. Um, and in this one, the strange artifact that you can get is Nathan Drake's ring from Uncharted. So right. it's just kind of a fun, cute little yeah, nod that, was, um, that they do. I heard about that. That was neat. <laughs> so okay, so um, you want to talk about the Horde and the Chalet? Yes. So Horde is the chapter we take on Abby, and she is going against thousands. of it's the first time we've seen this in the last of us. Yeah. So I was like, large... is this days gone? Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know they, they took it straight from days gone. And uh, so you end up, cause at first I was like, am I supposed to start fighting these? And then I'm like, Oh shoot. I can't fight all these. No, no, the goal is to I run. Out, oh, we run <laughs> as fast so, as you can. It's, it's a great little cool little mission to just kind of run. And then we get the shock of abby is within an inch of her life she's about to get eaten by um infected and who saves abby joel yeah and it's it's very interesting because abby looks surprised and you kind of think initially when you first play the game that it's because oh there's another human and they saved me like what is this um well but i mean you probably also realize like so at this point does she know what joel looks like has she no. seen? Jo- yeah. So, so no. it's like another human, but she doesn't know who she's dealing with. She doesn't know who they are. Yeah. yeah so at this point in the game too, like I, I thought, Oh cool. You know, this is why we've been playing as Abby. Cause now, you know, they're going to go live in Jackson together and everybody's going to be happy. And I was wrong. <laughs> it, well, and, and I think too, going off of that, um, I think it's her seeing, you know, people from Jackson and knowing her mission. It's like, Oh, this could ruin my mission because they could go back and, and like, tell them that i'm coming or that these weird people coming or you know they wanted to do it they wanted to do it very um stealth like because they realized that jackson is a huge town with a lot of people and you can't just go guns blazing um so they help each other out uh it's it's joel and abby and joel's brother um and they rescue abby and then they realize there's no way they can make it back to town so abby says we have a place come to our place and so they make it to the place and uh well the first thing that happens is uh they introduce themselves like nice people and joel's brother is like this is my brother joel and to see all the characters in the room and their face when it happens you're like you know exactly what's about to happen yeah and i thought this was neat listening to the um spoiler cast with um kind of funny and uh, neil Druckmann and Ashley Johnson and Troy Baker just talking about that scene and trying to get the beats right and trying to get the facial expressions right, you know, because there is so much that happens in that one, like small 30 second, not even seven seconds of time, you know, from him saying, uh, you know, yeah. And this is my brother, Joel. And, you know, he 
they go Joel Miller, like, you know, and, and everybody's face, it was perfect. It was very beautifully done. Yeah. So, and then the, the moment, the, the shocking, the shocking, like every gasp, um, I've watched so many YouTubers react to them playing this and doing it and just going, what? Um, but Joel turns around and that's when Abby says, uh, or Joel says, you look like you guys know who we are. And then it turns to Abby who's holding right. a shotgun and it says, that's because we do. And then blam blows pretty yep. much Joel's leg clean off. It's still there, but it's not use useful at all. Um, what was your thoughts when that happened? Cause it does go to black. So you don't know what happens after that. Right. You just, or no, no, it doesn't. It, it shows them, it, pull them up against the glass. Yeah. And, and then hold they, him. yeah. Um, I mean, I was shocked. Uh, and it, you know, it was kind of like, Oh, okay. I, you know, and as soon as I saw the leg go off, I was like, Joel's going to die. Um, yeah, they're going to kill him right him. here. I did love his line. Um, you know, go ahead and, and say whatever speech you've had rehearsed uh, and let's get this over with, you know, which is kind of a testament, I think, to the idea that Joel has known that this is coming for a long time. Uh, you know, there there are consequences and repercussions to your actions. And so here here it is. This is your this is your judgment day, Joel. Um, and yet, you know, he's at peace with it. He's like, hey, you know, this is I get it. I've done terrible things. And so let's go ahead and get this over with. Um, and then she does, you know, and then luckily I was thankful that they did not make you play through that, um, which Druckmann yeah, says in the interview was kind of funny, you know, that, that the biggest thing is they want you to feel angry at Abby at this point. So, um, yes. you know, so the, the not making you play through it as Abby, um, you know, was give you that, that perspective that you can, uh, feel that frustration and that anger and the sadness and, um, yeah, so then that was the whole – that was that whole thing. Um, it was also um, fascinating. I would just say, you know, go listen to that kind of funny uh, with Druckmann and Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson because uh, I love their talk about um, Troy's thoughts filming that scene um, <laughs> and and knowing what it would have been like for Ashley Johnson for her part of that scene – um, you know, the screaming and don't kill him and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff, because he remembers how hard it was to film the scene at the beginning of Last of Us Part One, where Sarah dies, uh, his daughter. And uh, yeah, even even just talking about that in the thing, like Ashley Johnson was like tearing up and she's like, I just I can't even. The, yeah. Um, so phenomenal acting. Oh man. Um, yeah. So I, I, this is the one thing I got spoiled. Now here's, here's my caveat to that though. Cause what I got spoiled was I saw oh. a picture of Joel on the ground completely beaten. Um, right. and so I, I knew he died, but I was glad that I wasn't like somebody who was like, well, they killed Joel. No one playing this game because here I am thinking that was the ending and it literally happens. What an hour, two hours in the game. Um, and so that was kind of the surprise for me, still shocked. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. And in that moment I did, I was like, I want to find every one of them and I want to kill them because, you know, Joel is his beloved character. And I think that was the point. It was to right. make us absolutely hate these characters and have that feeling that Ellie did in that moment. Um, and want to do Hold that. On. Oh no, no worries. Um, and, and do that. And then you get to play the story and you get to find out things are a little bit different than we thought. 
um, which I think is amazing. And I think that's the great part of storytelling. Also in this very moment, the person that I hated the most may not have even been Abby. Uh, honestly, I, I did curse at the screen um, when uh, Manny kind of did his little thing with Joel and goes over the top of him and spits on his dead body. And, yeah. you know, says good riddance in Spanish technically and pretty much. So um, it, it made you feel angry um, that this happened. Um, and I think this is what we were talking about with taking a risk. Um, yeah. Hold on. So can we pause for a second. We can, we can edit this out. Okay. My, my green screen is. Hey, what's going on? Why? It's also not green. <laughs> it's gray. Well, it's cause it's not lit. Well, hold on. Uh, okay. I brighten that up and then there you go. I gotta do all the things to fix the stuff. Hold on. Let's there see. You go. It's better for the it's Google, better. but yeah, but now my face. Yeah, is we gotta, like, gotta. Yeah, I know. You're white, as white can be. I'm white as white can be. Do 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 do. There you go. There we go. That's good. It's better. Let me okay. See if I can dim, but keep the green. Oh oh oh. I just gotta. I gotta move this. Hold on. There we go. So, okay, <laughs> we're, we're good now. Um, so, is there anything else that you want to say in regards to Joel's death and that scene and, and what happened? Um, no, I, I mean, I think it was just, uh, on the one hand, I wondered, you know, are we going to play as Joel at all? Like, did Troy Baker just have a tiny role in this game and now we're, we're yeah. that's it? <laughs> The rest of the game is Ellie, um, you know, but I also thought I was like, okay, like that was bold, you know, and, and I appreciated the boldness of that move um, to take a very a beloved character and kill them off so early. And, you know, and, and I will say this is one of the things that um, that was, you know, famous in Game of Thrones, you know, the idea that like, <laughs> all right, well, sorry, uh, what's his name? The Ned. um, Sean Sean Bean? Is that right? I think it's Sean Bean. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. The um, first chapter. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you get to the end Stark. of that and you're like, oh, okay. Well, now, you know, Ned Stark's dead. Cool. Um, but it, it made it shocking. It made it memorable. And, and you were curious to see where they went with it after that. And so I've got to hand it to The Last of Us for doing a crazy wild thing early on in the story um, and giving us that. So let's go to packing now, up. Well, well, packing up, so they, they decide they're going to go after them. They think it's this group that they – this paramilitary group um, from Seattle because of some of the things that Ellie saw in, like, their bags and some of the things right. they said. Um, so they decide they're going to pack up, head out of town, um, and, and loving – well, actually, no. They decide to head out of town, and they're going to sneak out. And what happens is Joel's brother uh, instead leaves and – tells his wife uh mary i believe i think it's mary i think it's mary um yeah yeah. uh so tells mary that he or leaves a note that he's leaving so mary comes and finds uh ellie and says you know i know you're leaving right Um, and you think she's she's there to stop him uh correct and then she's like you need to go get get my husband you need to get tommy back um and that's just the way things need to be 
Right. Which so, I will say, so at this point, we're in Joel's house. Uh, and this yes, is probably the, the first time I cried in this game because you go into Joel's house. And, I mean, you as a player have played as Joel for most of the first game. And so there's this whole – they did a beautiful job uh, giving you the experience of mourning this person. Uh, you also get to go in and kind of see the parts of Joel you didn't know. You know, the the guitars that are in the house, the um, hobbies, you know, and, and kind of going through his stuff and, and seeing some of the um, – what's the comic, the Starlight – yeah, the the comic from the first one. I don't remember what her, oh, what she's you, called. You froze, Russ. Oh, you did too. Uh, are we good? Am nope, I back? You're still frozen. You're still okay. Uh, I don't know what's going on right now. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> okay. Much better. Um, yeah, I think it's cool how they show you get to learn more about Joel's life in that moment. Right. Um, well, and, and, and you I see, that's so what I was gonna say. You see the comic that is um you know, what Ellie loved and you see, you know, that he's, he's reading up on like some things about space, you know? And, and so you get this sense of like, Oh, there's, there's these parts of Joel that he was trying to get to connect with her more, um, by learning about the things that she likes and how neat. So one thing we forgot, um, in the patrol, uh, when you're with Dina and Ellie, if you remember, they have a discussion about what they're going to do that night. Um, and Ellie says, I'm having a movie night with Joel. And so you're like, okay, well, maybe their relationship isn't that bad. Because it sounded right. bad, you know, in the morning at first. But then they're like, okay, they're, they're going to have a movie night together. So they're obviously still have some kind of relationship. Right. Um, and at that and point, so you I don't think... know if they've been talking or not. You don't know anything about their, you know, other than he comes in and teaches her that song. Um the uh, future days by Pearl jam. Um, yeah. So you have, you have no idea. Did we skip past the, uh... I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. So they pack up, <laughs> they pack up. Um, so we are now heading to Seattle. We don't get to see the full road to Seattle. So this isn't like the first one where you have, you know, different stops. We go straight there um, and we get to see beautiful Seattle in all of its glory in the middle of a post-apocalyptic world where nature has taken it back over. And um, we get, we get introduced to some of the new gameplay elements as well. Um, things that I enjoyed. Uh, I like some of the new puzzle aspects because of the, the ability to jump. They added that into some of the puzzles there at the beginning of Seattle um, with Dina and Ellie. And then uh, I, I liked what they did with rope slash uh, cords um, in having to figure out how to throw rope and cords over different things to be able to climb and um, solve some puzzles. So that was kind of cool how they did the gameplay um, about that in the beginning. Um, and then overall, just downtown Seattle is just an awesome area and stuff to explore. Yeah. It was neat you get to... your first open area. Yeah, it was super neat to get to explore that whole area. I love what they do with the map and the Sharpie to say, you know, it's um, we're going to give you a map, but it's not going to be your traditional like map in the corner. Um, I also, I liked some of the puzzles. I felt conflicted on the one hand. I felt like they could have done more puzzles. On the other hand, I know they received a lot of flack for the pallets, um, which show up later in a, in a funny little um, kind of head nod to the pallets. Um, there's a point where she passes by a pallet and she goes, Oh no, not these again. 
<laughs> in our something. Uh, I think it's in the museum. There's one outside in the water. Um, so I wish, I wish there could have been a little bit more puzzles. Granted, you know, this is not uncharted. It's not a primarily a puzzle game, uh, but I would have loved to use the rope a little bit more. Uh, I also felt like they overdid uh, some of the generators early on. It was like, Oh look, there's a gate. Well, there must be a generator. Let's go find this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, Seattle overall was phenomenal. Um, also, uh, what's her horse's name? Um, Shimmer. Shimmer. Is that right? Rest Shimmer? in peace. Shimmer. Or oh Shimmer. my gosh. We aren't, we aren't there. I, we aren't there. I, we're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry. No, because there's one more, there's one Unspoiler, more spoiler alert. to talk about. Shimmer still alive. We need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk about the music store. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Like the, the thing that this game Cry does so the thing the game does so well is it takes breaks, little small breaks in between what you're playing to give you kind of a reprieve, a deep breath, a, you know, kind of more drawn out story moment or something to kind of just, you know, pull you back away from the hard game that you're playing. Right. And the music store is, it's amazing to see them walk in and be like, oh man, like this is amazing. And there's a drum set and look at all these records and, things like that and then ellie picks up the guitar and plays a rendition of (laughs) take on me which sitting there and and you get to play it like the the naughty dog ability to program a guitar and to have people play it is ridiculous i don't know if you've seen all the videos of people um videotaping themselves recording different songs on the guitar in the game it it's a phenomenal um i mean i thought they did a really good job saying okay the guitar is not just a uh a story piece well okay the start the guitar is not just a set piece it's a story piece and so the guitar is a character right like the guitar has its own story arc um you know and so the ability to then play it as a guitar and for them to take that and say okay well how do you play a guitar you strum it and so can you strum the controller you can also pick out on parts of the controller and you can go doom 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 um you know and then to pick different keys and different chords and and she's actually fingering the chords correctly you know as as i think we mentioned in the last podcast you know at one point i was like oh well i want to learn how to play that and so i looked at how she's on the chord i was like okay well that's an f chord and so it's a bar chord and and i learned how to play an f chord on guitar because ellie taught me how to play it um so i thought that was beautiful i think especially you know it made me think about the value of music in a post-apocalyptic world where, you know, we take for granted the ability to pull up iTunes, pull up Spotify, pull up Pandora, you know, at a moment's notice and play a million songs. And, you know, in a post-apocalyptic world, you don't have that. Um, so the, the music can become even that much more beautiful to say, here's a piece of music. Um, and so I think especially for her to, to play that, sit down and play the guitar. You have this instant like flashback of, uh, you know, in your own head, not in the game of remembering Joel teaching her to play guitar and thinking, Oh gosh. And now I'm remembering that Joel is gone. And so I'm sad, but I'm also glad that she's in this moment of sharing this intimate moment with Dina, you know, where it's, it's both a intimate moment with Dina, but it's also a moment of grief. And that comes through really well in the song. Um, you know, but then this was also the point, Russ, if you remember, I texted you and I said, okay, she just played this song. I'll, you know, I'll be gone in a day or two. I was like, D- 
Does she die too? (laughs) Does she die? But, uh, you know, you actually only play a few days in Seattle. So in some ways, you know, maybe that was a head nod to, you know, I'll be gone. You're not going to play as me after a couple days. Um, I wonder too, kind of on a funnier subject with that, with <laughs> Ellie and Dina being born in the apocalypse. Um, right. I wonder deep down if Dina had ever heard that song before. Um, and I wonder if in her head, she's like, dang ellie's really good at playing the guitar and making up these songs this song's amazing um just a kind yeah. of a funny nod of just like you know the the movies and things that we we hear because you know that joel was the one that taught her that song um right. obviously um and so you just kind of wonder if that's kind of a funny little little extra piece to it well and another um, head nod to so, naughty dogs music people and their their researchers um at one point they were asking the question of like you know hey uh, you know, your song Future Days by Pearl Jam um, came out. Let's see here. When did it come out? Anyway, it, in whatever year it yep. came out, they were like, you know, came out. It came out technically after um, the infection day zero happened. So that would have never been released. And, and Neil Druckmann said, actually, we did think about this. Um, there was a version of it that came out on a YouTube video before it ever got released. And so the assumption is that Joel saw that video and learned the song before the album was he's ever released. Yeah. So it was like, Oh man, like, they actually head. thought all that through. So well, hey, they were not them for their, people would do that because their like, musical right. research. So we move on to Eastbrook elementary and this is where RIP shimmer um one of the first jump scares of the game because oh you're riding along I... a shimmer and <laughs> well and you've jumped over how many of these little like oh there's a short wall with uh-huh. razor wire i'm gonna jump over it you've done it like 10 times you think nothing of it and all of a sudden boom and i oh. i like i had a moment of heart palpitation like i was like that is not okay like Holy cow. And, it, and this is one of those places where it doesn't get the what's good games podcast. People were like, Hey, this game needs some trigger warnings. So if you're listening to this a uh, trigger warning, the entire game is a trigger for a million things. Um, so make sure you're in a healthy place. Like, yeah, that moment I was yeah. like, if you had any sort of PTSD granted, this game is probably not for you. Um, no, yeah that period um but then especially yeah that was that was a hard moment and then of course the freaking horse dies but here's the sad thing they spend zero time mourning the horse i'm like this is your horse like i wanted more i wanted more horse mourning um i'll tell you this on a second playthrough i still jumped at that moment because i forgot (laughs) so it still is like jumpy even you know after you played and after i did that i found myself it was like where is my my jump scares oh yeah i gotta remember these so i don't scare myself again the second time through so um you get to go through you're still working your way through seattle um if i recall not a lot of huge things happen besides just normal um enemy um encounters with the wolves as they're called the wlf um the washington liberation front um and then they get shortened to wolves and they're never called the washington liberation front again it's just the wolves yeah, I do want to say about this section, though, I liked how they made this a wide world. And so it was, you know, it was literally like there's 15 things you can explore in Seattle. You choose, you know, choose your own adventure. You want to explore one, you want to explore 15. What order do you want to explore them in? 
Um, so I appreciated that kind of open world mini world within this. Um, and what a beautiful world it was. I did forget one again, one part of the open world Seattle, but them going to the synagogue because oh, yeah. so let's that talk was about a that. huge moment um, in the game. Whew. Yeah. And I thought the, the synagogue, was... go ahead. I'll, I'll um, shut up. You talk. So Dina, the, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, Dina uh, reveals that she's Jewish. Um, and so she gives Ellie kind of a cool background on what the synagogue is and like about religion. And they have a nice little conversation about it where Dina's like, you know, I'm, I'm not super religious, but I still pray. Um, and I do it because of the way that it makes me feel. Um, and I think this is a great representation of what a lot of people feel like with religion um, and probably would feel like religion in an apocalyptic world of like, you know, it's something you kind of fall back on because it, it makes you feel connected and and feel better about it i mean what what were your thoughts when you saw you know the synagogue scene and how they discussed religion and all that um in that scene yeah i thought um i thought it was a beautiful expression of religion i also thought it was a much more authentic much more realistic expression of religion so often we see in games where it's like you know oh religion is there's a religious cult and now they've created a small society and they're murdering people uh, or, you know, these religious people are trying to exercise demons out of you. Um, you always see the extremes uh, or you see a complete absence, uh, you know, where people are like, oh, here's a moment where you would normally pray, but we're not going to say it. You know, or here's a moment where you might say God, but you're not going to say it. Um, and so I thought it was neat for them to point that out. I also loved Dina's thought and, and sentiment of, you know, to say, yeah, I'm, I'm Jewish and I pray, but I don't know what I feel about it. And. And it's comforting, you know, and that's always been kind of my fallback to people is like, look, I, you know, if you are struggling with your belief, uh, if you're struggling with, you know, why is God letting bad stuff happen? Um, you know, prayer is still a beautiful and wonderful tool. Um, shout out to uh, Mike McCarg, uh, who is known as Science Mike on the Liturgist podcast. Uh, he has an entire book that talks about his struggle from uh, conservative Christianity and his Southern Baptist uh, fundamentalist upbringing to complete atheism to kind of more of a scientific based, um, I would say more open Christianity. Um, but where in the middle of that, he's like, look, I'm an atheist, but there are still, uh, there's still value in community, in church, in prayer. And, and he essentially lays out all of these <laughs> arguments for church even in the midst of disbelief and then has a moment that causes him to believe. Um, so I thought Dina's exploration of that and a neat little teaching moment to tell people like, Hey, this is what a synagogue might look like. Here's what the Torah is. Here's what it means. Let's talk about rabbis. Um, I thought it was neat. And I almost uh, wanted more like I, I wanted, you know, I, later on for them to find like a Catholic church and walk into the Catholic church and be like, Oh yeah, I remember somebody talking to me about Catholicism and like, Oh, you know, Here's like a, here's a mosque. And we're going to talk about that. So I wanted more. Um, but what the little amount that they did give me was beautifully done. Yeah. Um, so after that, and after we go through some of the, the chapters, the one chapter that I really liked because it brings in a new gameplay element that I don't even know if you did or not. Um, so I'm interested to see, but in the tunnels. So the tunnels is when you go underground in the subway system of Seattle, which there is one by the way, because I, I saw a lot of people comment. They're like, wait a second, does Seattle have a subway? 
um, and they do. Uh, so Seattle, but Seattle so has an entire where... underground. Um, fun, yeah. fun fact. Did you know this about Seattle? That Seattle is built on top of itself. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So Seattle, and I wish I they would have spent more time here. Um, cause I was like, I wonder if they're going to do this. Seattle actually had like a major, I think it was a major fire. And then there was a major, uh, like a landslide and some of the city got buried. And so what they did was they just oh. rebuilt Seattle on top of itself. And a lot of the, the first okay. floors of old buildings just became the basements and the second floors of the buildings became the ground level. Um, so if you walk downtown in Seattle, there are, are places with like where the concrete of the sidewalk goes to glass and it's because there's a tunnel underneath and that's a light source for the tunnel underneath. You can take a whole tour of this tunnels in Seattle. Is your, is your oh, dog wow. getting there? Do we need to pause? Yep. No, no, no. We're good. We're good. He's just, he wants attention. So of course. Um, anyway, what were you going to say yeah, about the tunnels? So in the tunnels, the, the scene where the red light is the flares. So you run into wolf underground, but then you yes. also run into clickers. I and did. so something I did that this. I did, I threw a Molotov at the wolves and it lit one of them on fire and she's screaming. And because she's screaming, like 10 clickers come running and they just fight each other. And I stayed hidden. And then when they were done fighting, I took off for my, my objective and I just skipped all of that, that section. Right. So it's, it was a cool thing. I do. Did they do that in the last was part one where they mixed a scene with regular people and infected? I don't remember having one. Um, so I think this is a new gameplay thing for last was part two. Somebody out there, correct us if you're, if we're wrong. Um, but I do think uh, it was neat. I did the same thing. I was like, I'm going to conserve my ammo. Uh, and in some ways I think it's also a nice commentary <laughs> of saying, look, if there are people who are aggressive and people who want to kill other people and there's infected, let them fight it out. You know, you just stay yep, back and do and nothing. I'm just going to, Right. So this is like the moral of the game of like, you know, it's best not to fight. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I did that. It was fun. It was good to conserve ammo and uh, just wait. So it was also very interesting. Yeah, this is a place awesome. with a lot of exposition uh, where you you read a lot of letters from wolves uh, and get more understanding oh, yeah. of like, you know, their organization and how the the things went. And yeah. So I like that. Yeah, I will say that the the collectibles from top to bottom paint mm -hmm. such an amazing picture of the world in a bunch of different ways. So right. again, I know you're waiting to go back. I think you should eventually and and really you know do the collectible run and make sure you get all those because um, they do have a lot of exposition to what's going on in the world. Um, so after we exit the tunnels, uh, something happens at the end of the tunnels. So Dina collapses and is having a hard time um and is exhausted and so ellie pretty much just picks her up and carries her and they run and they look for shelter and they find right. an old theater well, and this is also the place where dina learns about ellie's immunity so you have this other little tiny revelation oh, yeah. uh, from right. ellie you know where she's like dina's trying to give her her mask which i'm also like hold on you're anyway um but the <laughs> um yeah so she's trying to give ellie her mask and Ellie's like, no, 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 I don't need it like, because, you know, this this chemical burn on my arm is actually not a chemical burn. Just kidding. I'm immune. Um, so I thought that was beautifully done to just say this like tiny moment of, 
hey, you remember when I told you that I was immune and you thought it was a joke and now it's, yeah, this is a real. Because um, that happens in that scene where they go to the basement and they smoke weed, um, which a lot of people had problems. They're like, what? You know, oh my gosh, drugs. And I'm like, dude, it's the apocalypse. Like, anyway. Um, so, but the, <laughs> so they have that moment. They I'm have that intimate sure moment where, right. Um, you know, plus people aren't, anyway. <laughs> You, you could go on a whole tangent. <laughs> separate, We're not going to go subject. there. Separate, separate podcast. On, on um, yeah. So, um, anyway. about her immunity. So, so she tells her she's immune. We find out that uh, Dean has been sick, and it's because surprise, Dean is pregnant. pregnant. And then they go to the theater. Yep, and. Uh, yeah, well, because it's right in the theater when she reveals that, right right in the lobby. Um, right. And Ellie does not take it very well. She's very angry. Um, one, that she kept it from her, and two, that she is pregnant. And, like, I'm sh- sh- assuming that she's partially mad that, like, Dina came with her knowing that she was pregnant, but I don't think she did. We, we never get clear. Like, sh- if you read some of Ellie's journal, um, Dina does get sick a few times on the road. Like okay. in Idaho and Montana, she gets sick um, a few times and, and Ellie just thinks she has a cold or, or a flu or, you know, some stomach bug. And then obviously we forgot that in Seattle, there's a part where they, they come across a bunch of dead infected and Dina gets sick. So if you go back and look at that scene now, you're like, oh, she was pregnant. So right. her smells are different. She's smelling the dead bodies. It sent her off. She threw up um, all of that. So Ellie's not too happy. She kind of goes off on her own. Um, you get another guitar scene here in the theater. Um, if you pick up the guitar down in the theater. Um, but a couple more puzzles and things like that. Um, and then uh, you you fix the radio. Dina helps you. Well, you find out Dina ends up fixing it because um, she knows electrical parts, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, and she but, was talking about that she was uh, working with that guy for a while that helped her learn all those electrical things, which mm-hmm. is neat. Um, yep. And so from here, what happens is obviously Dina's not well, she can't go on. So Ellie's like, I'm going to go and try and find Tommy, um, on our own, but we get a flashback. This is our first flashback of the game. And it is probably my favorite part of the whole game. It is, uh, the birthday gift. So we flashback to Ellie and Joel. We don't know how long after the last of us one or how long before this but it is ellie's birthday and joel has a surprise um for her but the 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 part that i like too about the beginning of this is uh, ellie and joel are looking at i think it's an animal or something or she's he's trying to point something out and he shoves her to the water and that's when you get revealed that ellie can swim now and i thought that kind of a cute moment of joel just finally like shoving her in um, and them having some banter about it. And then uh, Ellie gets some payback a few minutes later and gets to shove Joel in. But the best part about that is Joel's like, well, joke's on you. We are actually supposed to be swimming from this part on, so I'm not mad at all. Yeah. So seeing them, that relationship, it looks like the relationship is pretty good at this point. Like, it's better than what we thought it was with the way they were talking about it in Jackson um, at the beginning of the game. So you have to wonder when is this and what causes Ellie and Joel to kind of not um, be buddy-buddy with each other. But that whole chapter, man, um, 
the you're the talking about the birthday where, gift chapter yep yep the birthday gift um ellie guessing what her birthday gift is her surprise and the first thing she says is is it a dinosaur um and joel's like it's not a dinosaur come on um i and if you you do some of the extra communication um she says like is it my sixth grade teacher because i hated him he was a dick um and she just goes through all these like different gifts and potential things and and it's kind of cool to see that that back and forth and then it's revealed it is a dinosaur it's a giant dinosaur statue because they're going to the Wyoming Museum of Natural History. Right. Um, so what are your thoughts on this kind of reprieve flashback getting to know, I mean, we get Joel back in the story. So right. I, I thought it was, it was great. It was a, it was a nice moment of recognizing, Oh, we're going to get some more Joel. Um, it was a great way to tell the story to talk about Ellie swimming. Um, I also thought it was, uh, again, it's this kind of, you know, Joel becoming more father figure, like, you know, Hey, I did this fun thing for you. Look, I found this cool place for you. You like sciencey things. Here's some sciencey things. Um, so I, I thought overall the museum was fantastic. Um, you know, everything from the, the head nods to the, um, the giraffe, you know, with the little hat you can flip on the top of the brontosaurus, um, or brachiosaurus, the, um, yeah, it, it was all phenomenal. Um, yeah. What hey, what I love that this game what's up? Pause for two seconds. Alright, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh we've got some more stuff to talk about here in a minute, but we're gonna take a break. You can go ahead and grab a glass of water, grab a something to eat, snack, something like that. And when we come back after the break, we are gonna continue on with our discussion about The Last of Us Part Two and our thoughts on it. Okay, and we are back. Um, we are going to pick off where we were uh, last talking about, which we were at the end of Seattle day one. We had just discussed um, the birthday mission and the museum, uh, which was an awesome and great uh, little section, and little callback, which I think the game does a great job of going back and kind of filling in some of the stories um, from the last Last of Us to this game. Um, and it really helps us figure out uh, Joel and Ellie's relationship. So, we are now on Seattle day two and it starts in Hillcrest, which is the, this is probably one of my favorite parts of the whole game. Uh, oh man. This is my favorite part to not be my favorite part. <laughs> I know it, it's, it's gameplay heavy and it, it lets you kind of do anything. It's a huge area. Um, and so this, the, the stealth and all the new gameplay features play an important role. You have a lot of dogs patrolling. Um, you've got a lot of grass and buildings and different things um so yeah and then we get uh the cool surprise at the end of hillcrest once you get through there which is a character grabs you and pulls you into a building um to save you from being caught by some people and honestly um this was actually a part that was played by a lot of demos um and the person that pulled you in was joel um So they did that to put it off the set, but in the actual game, it ends up being Jesse, uh, Dina, and um, Ellie's friend who ends up being the baby father for baby daddy of Dina's baby. So what was right. your thoughts Which on I, Hillcrest? And all that? 
So, you know, I thought Hillcrest was a, it was a part I was looking forward to, especially as a part that was highlighted a lot um, in the previews early on. You know, they talked about the dogs, about the fact the characters call out each other's names. They call out the dogs' names. Um, at one point, you know, I took down a character and the dog goes and like sits and is sad next to the character. So then I'd feel really bad for taking out that particular enemy. Um, like, oh man, you know, now I'm the, I'm the jerk. Um, but I thought it was a, it was a beautiful gameplay mechanic, uh, experience. I liked the fact that you could really go anywhere. You could do anything. It was kind of, again, that wide world, uh, without kind of the narrow path that it's pushing you down. Um, and I, I thought the whole thing was phenomenal. Uh, I did think though, just back to Jesse. Um, so is it, is it Hillcrest that Jesse dies? Um, no. yeah, so he'll, no, no not got yet. a little ways to go. Okay. Um, end of day three. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, we'll get to that later, but, uh, you know, I thought it was neat to see Jesse there again, expecting Joel, but you know, of course we know Joel's gone, but you know, there was always this part in my head. Like when I saw the first part of that shot, I was like, Oh, wait a second. Maybe Joel got out alive, you know, which is like, clearly Joel didn't get out alive. <laughs> um, what were your thoughts on that? My, my, my thoughts, I thought it was Tommy. I thought it was Tommy grabbing us cause we're looking for sure. Tommy and we're chasing right. after him. So I'm like, oh, cool. So Tommy is here. And then when it was Jesse, I was like, oh, okay. Well, this is a cool little interesting. Okay, I'm kind of liking this because honestly, I like having the companions around uh, during the game. Um, I think it makes me feel a little less scared uh, at times. And it's kind of cool to have those people to kind of help you in some of the situations that you're in. Um, so you don't get completely insta-killed from clickers and stuff when you have a companion around because they come and help you. But um, yeah, it was pretty good. And then after Hillcrest, we jumped to another flashback, which is finding strings. So that's the right. chapter with Ellie, Tommy and Joel, and they're doing patrols. And there is obviously some tension between Ellie and Joel in this chapter. Um, so what were your thoughts of this little flashback kind of expanding on? And I know that you had a comment uh, regarding yeah, no, I... <laughs> mission. <laughs> Um, yeah, this was definitely, uh, cause this is the one where you go out of the hotel, right? Yep. So, um, so yeah, so this one, there's obviously some tension, I think story-wise, um, you know, my frustration with this as with so many other things, granted, I've never lived in a post-apocalyptic world, anything closer than we're currently living in now. Um, but the idea of like, oh, well, we're going to go find some guitar strings at this music store over here. Let's go through this empty hotel oh, there's no way in. Why don't you go in by yourself? Um, my thought was like, at that point, no. Like, sorry, no guitar strings. We're just going to go back home. Like, because then you, you come across what? Like a shambler and a, and a bloater or Although something. You come yeah, across a bloater, the, right? That's a bloater. That's the first time yeah. we, we fight a bloater um, in this game. And so I was like, seriously? Like, I'm fighting a bloater so I can get some guitar strings? Like, I know music's important here, but like, come on. We should have just turned back, gone home. Yeah, or or find a way around. Again, you know, there's there's the part of me that's like, can't you climb over that ditch? Like, anyway, but that was, I thought overall it was it was neat. It was neat to see the bloater again. You know, to be like, oh yeah, that's right. We had bloaters back in the first game. Um, yeah, it's really well done. It's uh, so it's it's a flashback. We're we're kind of getting a little more. There is some tension between Ellie and Joel. Um, it's not specified why, um, but we're coming to kind of a point of why, and it and it kind of becomes bigger. So the next chapter is the Seraphites. We get to meet the new cult um, in the game, which is the scene that is your background right now. Um, and 
oh man this this scene got me it, it is scary fighting the colt as ellie mm-hmm. um they have the whistling um communication so rather than talk with each other they just whistle um and it's it's freaky because you don't know what they're whistling about whether they're whistling right. like hey i heard something or hey i'm gonna go check over here or i found somebody which doesn't differentiate that much. And so you're just walking along thinking that you're haven't been seen. And all of a sudden you get a bow right to the, uh, the shoulder. So I think adding the Seraphites in was a great uh, addition to the gameplay. And it adds that third kind of faction to the game that we have. Um, what were your thoughts getting to fight them for the first time? Yeah. So I think gameplay uh, was really neat, you know, coming up both against that really heavy um, thing that whatever, whatever this guy is holding um, like massive hammer, I guess, yeah, pickaxe. Um, there's probably a, an official name for it, but <laughs> you know, that was neat, a neat mechanic to come up against the pulling the, um, the arrow out of your shoulder. You know, I, you played with me a couple times and you're like, Dave, you have an arrow and you got to take that. And then I would die. <laughs> um, but this was also one of the first times I think that you really come up against a, um, uh, enough enemies that you have to use stealth. Yeah. Um, you know, where, where so many other places in the game, you're, you're allowed to choose do you want to go stealth do you want to go rambo do you want to just run through and this one i tried rambo and i tried run through and i (laughs) was unsuccessful both times um so this was the first place that really made me use stealth and yeah those the whistling was terrifying so (laughs) so after this quick chapter with the seraphites getting to know them we get another flashback which is, is the big one um so i what i'm assuming happened is again ellie is just getting upset with joel there's been something eating at her since the last game, which is she doesn't think Joel's telling the truth. So rather than just think that she goes and seeks out the information. And this is a flashback to her actually traveling to Seattle and going to the hospital where everything happened and finding out that in fact, um, Joel killed everybody there and she was the chance at a cure and not only did Joel kill everybody there, he killed the only doctor that could create a cure, um, which is just mind blowing to see how the reaction is um, and what it does to the relationship with uh, Ellie, you know, Joel saying, you know, can you forgive me? And Ellie pretty much saying no. Um, right. I, I thought I'm it was, come back. Um, this was a neat place too, where you, you really get to, you know, it unfolds a little bit more of the narrative from the first game, but it also helps you understand, um, how imperfect Joel was, right? So, you know, we already started in the first game, he's imperfect and you're frustrated and he's not, he's not really the villain, I wouldn't say, but he's, um, you know, he's a frustrating, he's not the hero, Um, you know, but here you kind of get the sense of, oh, well, maybe he might be the villain, Uh, you know, if not in Ellie's story, at least in somebody else's story, you know, he's the guy that took out the doctor that could have saved the world. Um, So, you know, you, you start to understand then a little bit more the motivations that Abby had, uh, you know, when killing Joel uh, to say, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is intense. Well, and um, that, that leads us into the next part uh, coming up. But before we get there, um, I, so my big thing is, I don't think there's any good person in this world. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, I honestly think everybody's the villain. Everybody's a bad guy. Um, that's how these people are surviving in the pandemic in the, you know, the post-apocalyptic world that's going on around him. Um, and, you know, that's part of what we talked about with Joel dying and how he was like, you know, say your spiel and get on with it. 
because mm-hmm. he has made so many enemies from doing terrible things, whether it's the fireflies, whether it's something back in Boston, whether it's traveling across the U S you know, it could have been somebody from uh, what's his name. What was the cannibals name again? David's crew. Like there could have been so many different people that were hunting for Joel for revenge that he just, he didn't even realize who it was. He just says, you know, say your spiel and kill me. Cause I, I know that's what you're here for. And I was waiting right. for to do that. Um, so it's really interesting to just see that aspect and, and to, again, now Ellie sees it through her eyes that, Oh, Joel is not this great guy. You know, this father figure that I thought he was, um, you know, he's this selfish person that took away the one thing that was supposed to give me meaning. Um, so we move on to Seattle day three. Um, we are back uh, with her on her way to the aquarium, trying to find Abby. And so you get the road to the aquarium, which is all of the, you know, up and down in buildings and the water levels and all that. Right. So it's mostly, you know, just, you know, normal gameplay and fighting through with uh, Jesse. However, after the road to the aquarium, Jesse, um, I believe, oh yeah. So after the road to the aquarium, I believe they head back to, actually, no, sorry. After the Seraphites and all of that, they head back to the theater. We missed that part. Um, and Jesse and gets to see Dina and they know that she's sick and they're like, we need to go home because we can't keep doing this. Um, but we need to get Tommy still. So let's go get Tommy. So Ellie says, you know, I'm not after Abby anymore. I'm going to go for Tommy. Let's go save him and then we'll go home. It's fine. I promise. And then what ends up happening is Ellie's like, no, I want to go to the aquarium, even though they know where Tommy is and it's not the aquarium. And so, um, Ellie and Jesse separate and Ellie continues her vengeful tour to try and find Abby, which leads us to the actual aquarium. And in the aquarium, um, the first moment in the aquarium, which I'm like, this is terrible. It's the moment that you are forced to kill a dog, no matter what. Um, It's a story beat and it's a horrible story beat as we find out later in the game, um, which is again, I think great, great, um, you know, storytelling and way to make us feel something different, um, which we'll talk about at the very end about how this game made us feel um, and all that. So that kind of ends that uh, day. She kills the dog. Um, she goes in, she kills uh, Mel and Owen and Owen reveals as after she has killed them and his, his dying last breaths is that Mel is pregnant, which yep. Ellie finds out and literally breaks down. Yeah, I mean, that was probably the moment that wrecked me um, a little bit. You know, it was just this moment of, uh, you know, beyond just being a bad guy, right? You're like, beyond just saying, you know, uh, I'm, I'm killing all these people because I'm out for vengeance. Like, you just killed a pregnant woman. Um, you, are, you are clearly not the good person in this game. Um, you know, kind of like you were talking about, maybe there's no good person in this game. Um, but that was, a, that was a deep cut. I would say um, to just, yeah. So, I mean, so you come back as Ellie and it's like, okay, I don't feel good playing this game anymore. <laughs> this is the first time I was like, can I, can I put it down? Like I, I need a break. Um, yeah. But then it's, you keep uh, going. It's, it's interesting lot to get for through. me. Well, yeah, it's interesting for me. Um, just real quick. It's, uh, you know, I feel like because Mel tried to kill Ellie, I was like fine with it. I was kind of justifying it for myself of like they didn't even get a chance to talk and Ellie was just asking them for information and then they, you know, did that. But that's... Which once again, morality. back to the back to the frustration part. Like at that point, you know, you've got a gun pointed. Why not play the pregnant card? 
You know, why not say like, don't kill me. I'm pregnant. Which we see later on in the game in another moment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway. So uh, uh, Tommy and Jesse show up to save Ellie. They get her right after she kills. They're like, oh God. So they have to help Ellie go back to the theater. They're at the theater. Ellie's like has her moment with Dina where they kind of have a quiet moment where Ellie's just like, oh my God, I can't believe what I've done. And, you know, it's almost like Ellie, I think at that moment is like, I'm done with this. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I killed a pregnant lady. Maybe I'm, I shouldn't be so vengeful. And then what happens is Abby shows up at the theater um, attacking Tommy. Jesse and Ellie break in on her attacking Tommy. And she instantly shoots and kills Jesse, which in that moment when it happened, I was like, oh my God, please don't be dead. And of course they pan down to his face and show that he has a bullet hole in his face. So yeah. there's no coming he's, back from that. He's gone. Um, and we get left with Abby pointing a gun at Ellie. And what does Ellie say? She says, I know why you killed Joel. Um, I'm the cure. I'm the reason why Joel killed your father. Don't kill Tommy. Don't kill anybody else. You want me. And at that moment, it fades to black. And we pick up the story in the next chapter playing as Abby. Now, this is the... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I want to I get back to something. Yes. Which is, um, you know, I, I love what Abby says there. And it comes back, I think, later, you know, where you, you're questioning, like, who's the good person here? Um, you know, where Abby encounters her and says, you know, we let you live and you flip and ruined it. That's right. Um, you know, and so there is this like moment of, Hey, at least I showed you a shred of mercy. And I just yeah, went for and, one person. And now you're coming for revenge, you know, which is granted, you know, it's not like, uh, okay, I killed your friend, but I didn't kill you. I'm the good guy. Um, but at least there is this moment of, of, I showed you mercy. I let you live. Um, you know, so that, that I think was a good transition for me into the next chapter is to say, okay, let me question everything I think I know about who's the real villain in the story. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we move on to the next chapter and it is, uh, you're playing as Abby. This is a moment that people were not happy with. They did not want to play as Joel's killer. They did not want to see that experience. And I think this is where, Naughty Dogs did such an amazing job of trying to flip the switch on you more so than any game has ever done because games are supposed to just be this straight shot, good guy, bad guy, I kill you, I'm the hero, I'm great. And now we're playing technically the villain and we find out through her story that maybe she's not so much of a villain as we thought. Um, So we get to meet her father. Yeah, go ahead. I did think it was, it was a good thing um, for them to start with an earlier Abby um, to go back far enough to say, you know, let's, let's rediscover, you know, so, so many stories are about the loss of innocence, right? You know, you go from uh, even like Ellie's story, you know, Ellie is this like kid who's immune, but then, you know, she eventually kills somebody. And then, you know, eventually she becomes this kind of almost monster in, and who she is. So it was nice to just rediscover that innocence and say, oh, okay, well, here's Abby before she took a golf club to Joel's head. Um, and, you know, here's her a little bit younger and, you know, less uh, buff and less killing machine and more human. 
Um, and also right around the age that you probably, you know, maybe a little bit older than the first time you meet Ellie. So you have some of that kind of familiar thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also didn't realize at this point how long I was going to play Abby. I thought this was like a jump to a chapter of Abby and then and we're going to go back. back. Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> no, half the game you play as Abby and this is the half. So technically what we end up doing is we end up playing Seattle day one, two, and three again, but from the Abby perspective all the way up to that moment where she busts into the theater, which is excellent to be able to see. So you, you get to meet her father. You get to see kind of their, their talk. You get to see the moment that the father tells somebody that Ellie needs to die in order for us to get the, the cure. Um, mm-hmm. And you find out that um, Marlene from the Fireflies is like, no, no. There has to be another way or it's not happening, blah, blah, blah. Right. And which Abby's- even further makes Joel the bad guy because you realize that Joel killed her. Oh yeah. Um, in pretty much in cold blood. Um, you know, when she was advocating for, for Ellie. It's, um, it's interesting. But I will though. say that this is one of those places that I agree with. I think it was um, one of the people on the what's good games podcast uh, was saying, you know, at this point, like just wake Ellie up, you know, like let's, let's talk consent one-on-one, just wake her up and say, Hey, uh, are you okay with us killing you in order to find the cure? Yeah. You're good? Okay, great. End of story. <laughs> um, but of course, that means you don't have the whole story. Uh, also, I think you do run into the risk of if you woke her up and she says no, what's the potential reality for not being able to find a vaccine because you couldn't do it? So I, I get wow. why they wouldn't have woken her up and, and asked her. Um you know, but you could have just said like, so how do you feel? Oh, okay. You're against it. And then you kill her and you take the brain parts. Well, yeah, that's, that's um, definitely what happened. <laughs> um, but at least you give her the chance to say yes. It's interesting because Abby and her dad have a moment after this because Abby overhears the conversation and Abby mm-hmm. tells her dad, looks in the face, like if, if you had to do that to me, I would tell you to kill me. Um, and I have a little bit of a problem with that. I have a problem when people do that, when they, when they take some huge decision and they say, if it was me, I would do this. And it's like, but it's not you. And so you're just saying it hypothetically. Right. I think can't. if you're actually in that position, you might have a completely different response until you're in that position. You can't say whether you would do something or not. Um, so in that moment, I definitely, I wasn't on Abby's side. I was like, you don't understand what they've been through. You don't understand the relationship. So um, that's where I'm at with that. So let's move on. I will say though, I want to get back really quick because the, yep. the park is the, the part where you encounter the zebra, right? Yes. Um, which I will say just beautiful job. Um, a right. Showing the compassion and the care, right? This is a, this is Abby is the kid of a doctor. So, you know, you have this care for life. Um, you also have this beautiful moment with this suffering animal where it's, you know, and Owen is kind of like, come on guys, let's just go. Like, there's nothing we can do here. Um, and, and isn't the zebra pregnant too, or, or something? No, it had a baby. Um, it, oh, it just had, had a baby. baby. Right. Yep. Yeah. So you get to um, see the mom and the zebra. Baby so, so once rescue. again, this, this interplay of, you know, parenting and, and, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, beautifully done with the zebra suffering. I felt really bad for the actual digital zebra, but <laughs> So yeah, we'll move but then on we go to, to the stadium. Yeah, so C- Seattle day one, we'll kind of do an overview of this chapter because it's mostly the same thing. Um, so you go on patrol to get to the, uh, the, the central location on the front lines and you start to learn about Abby and what she's done since then. You get a little backstory during this as well. The biggest thing you realize is she has dedicated her life to finding Joel and preparing herself to find Joel. 
because that's where you get the body type of her going from just a normal girl to now literally Arnold Schwarzenegger female on steroids who has been training for this moment um, and has become a soldier. And in one of the flashbacks you get with her and Owen, um, Owen wants to kind of just end this. He's done. After the fireflies, he's like, I can't do this anymore. Let's just live our lives. Let's stop. Let's stop joining a cause. Let's just try and be ourselves. And Abby's like, no, I'm, I'm not doing, I'm a soldier now. And it ruins her relationship with Owen, which obviously from previous things that, you know, um, the relationship didn't work out and he moved on to Mel, but Abby loses that relationship because of her revenge and what she wants. And you see that play out from the stadium, you know, where they're clearly not together and there's a lot of tension, you know, into the aquarium where they have this, you know, little like moment together when, when finding the aquarium and that flashback. Uh, and then later in the winter visit, you know, it's, it's again like, hey, we can just settle down here. We can have this nice life. And she's like, no, revenge is priority number one. Yeah. Um, and I want to I want to back up on something you said. Um, you know, I, I do think while on the one hand, you know, I, I've definitely said she is she is hulked out. You know, she is very buff. Um, I will say, though, it's been funny to watch the Internet reaction to this oh, God. Um, because it's it's clear that we don't uh, we as as the Internet, we as people on the Internet don't know how to react to a strong uh physically strong uh, female in video games, right? You know, I think in video games, we've conditioned ourselves to, uh, you know, the idea that like your, your female protagonist is probably slender and probably curvy and, um, you know, and I I love that like Blizzard kind of challenged that in Overwatch and they're like, Hey, here's like, here's tall people and short people and fat people and skinny people and everybody in between here's strong people and weak people. And, um, you know, and so, but I will say it was interesting watching the reactions of people saying, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is totally unrealistic that she's so buff. And people are like, have you, have you ever been to a gym? Like, um, but well, it's clear that the gym is not just like a hobby. She goes to the gym to become a soldier. Right. Um, and Naughty Dog does a good job because I've heard a lot of people be like, where'd you find a gym in the, the apocalypse? And literally Naughty Dog realizes that people are going to say that. And so right. the first scene when you come out of your room in the stadium is a massive world-class, probably from the NFL football team in that stadium, gym that she yeah, has. And if you've, her- if you've so, ever toured an NFL football stadium, you see the gyms that are in there that people work out in. And, and it looks just like that. So yeah. Um, so that's completely baseless. So people who say that are like, you know, they just made her buff to make her, you know, this cool character and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah. no, there was a reason. And that plays a huge part in the story. Um, so after she heads to the middle, um, the uh, central command, she finds out that Owen has gone AWOL and he may have killed somebody, um, one of their friends. And we now get to meet, of course, um, the leader of the wolves, uh, which is played by... Jeffrey Wright um, from Westworld fame. Um, yeah, which I thought was neat. I wish they would have given him a bigger role. Um, you know, I thought it, he was such an interesting character that I really wanted to, I wanted to get more from him. Uh, and especially as such a big actor, mm-hmm. um, you know, also kind of neat uh, to have, you know, Shannon Woodward and Jeffrey Wright, both of Westworld fame in this. That's right. Yep. Um, you know, maybe Evan Rachel Wood will come back for The Last of Us Part Three. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think the other neat thing about this um, throughout Seattle Day One, uh, if we can just kind of jump through it, I think yep. is, um, you know, it's the first time that you also realize that, you know, there's not just two sides, you know, it's not just like, 
uh, wolves versus the infected. You know, you realize that there's the Seraphites, and so it's kind of wolves and Seraphites and infected and uh, and Ellie and and all the Jackson folks. And there's kind of you know there's all more sides to every story. Um, you know, so that's neat uh, to get all of those different things. But I was I'm wondering if we can jump ahead to Seattle Day Two. Yeah, and, that's what, uh, that was the plan. Um, fast forward a little so here because I, I want to make sure we save enough time for the our ending end discussion. Thoughts. Yeah, so uh, Seattle Day Two, she gets to the aquarium. Well, she has to fight her way to the aquarium. On the way, though, she gets captured by the Seraphites, um, which leads us to that uh, scene that we saw uh, at the second ever reveal of the game, which is the 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 hanging scene in the forest in the rainy forest, and we meet uh, Lev and Yara who are both mm -hmm. Seraphites on the run from Seraphites because Lev shaved her head, um, which is a big part of it and something that we find out a little bit later. So Lev and Yara help her, but they're also going to separate. Abby gets the aquarium, meets with Owen. Um, Owen's a mess and saying like, I can't go back. And um, she, he explains what, why he killed that person and was, you know, self-defense. Um, and then other than that, uh, they have a relational scene that is uh, quite graphic. Um, yep. And so that's just an FYI for people that there is that scene there with Owen and Abby. And then Abby has a nightmare about Lev and Yara and leaving them because they were kind of in a corner and easily could get killed. So she decides to go save them. So your next part of your mission is to go save those two and you are able to help and escort them back where Mel, um, Mel uh, shows up at the aquarium. She's already there when you get back, luckily. Um, and so she looks over and helps uh, Yara, who had her arm bashed with a hammer. Um, so literally they have to amputate it. And it ends with them having to go to the hospital, which there is a scene in the hospital. So uh, Lev and Abby have to head out for the hospital, which is the final part of this playthrough of Abby. And um yeah so hospital basement i i want to know your thoughts on the boss fight in the hospital basement when you do get there because which chapter was that um the hospital basement it should be ground zero okay yeah two, um, ground zero yeah so a lot of things here um so oh gosh so many things before we get there i want to talk about um how beautiful i thought it was uh, that up until this point, you have these um, these snippets of Abby's um, fear of heights. Yep. And I thought it was beautiful because it, in a couple of ways, it humanizes Abby even more, right? This person yeah. who is extremely strong, who spent her whole life dedicated, you know, this second part of her life uh, here, dedicated to becoming buff, to becoming a soldier, to killing Ellie, you know, uh, or killing Joel. And, um, and yet she has this fear of heights. And so what better way to put her directly in confrontation with her fear of heights than with the descent chapter um, yep. where they have to go into the uh, sky bridges that all of the Seraphites have, uh, you know, which is where you find out that the sky bridges are just cranes and she's got to walk over the top of cranes and oh my gosh. What, and what a great way to yeah. uh, make you as the player really feel that fear that she has um, but I also want to talk a little bit about uh, something with the, uh, you know, when you're playing as Lev and you you come to understand Lev's backstory, and this was talked about in some of the other podcasts. Um, yeah, the fact that you 
you hear the Seraphites, uh, I think it's in Return to the Coast, uh, you hear some of the Seraphites call Lev by Lev's former name. Um, so this is a process called dead naming, um, which is if you look up some articles on uh, Last of Us Part Two and dead naming, uh, it's when a trans person has transitioned and they now have a different name. Um, you know, and so they call out uh, Lev's dead name, uh, you know, Lev's old name, uh, from back when Lev was a was identified as female. Uh, and so this was, I think, a, a kind of problematic thing. I would just encourage people to look up on it. Uh, it's something that I actually, you know, I knew was probably a problem, but never really thought about what that would mean to a trans person to uh, to encounter that. And I think it was it was neat to see it done in the way that it was done, see the commentary on it, and also then the call to say, let's try to just be careful when telling stories that include trans characters to tell better stories than just stories of trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I really like Neil Druckmann's uh, commentary on that. So I'd encourage people to check that out, learn up on what it, uh, what it is, how that can affect people. Um, yep. But then we get to the ground zero, the monster in the basement, um, which was uh, reminded me of the end monster thing that you become in the end of Inside, uh, which is kind of fun. But well, and I, um, I told you it, it reminds me it, they kind of went Resident Evil, which Resident Evil yes. has always been known for these over the top like mutated zombie bosses that look just like that um which is yeah. kind of cool that they went in that direction and, and did something different like that than just the normal enemies that we fight um, yeah and this was a part that you watched me play um and <laughs> and it probably took me what like 25 tries uh, to lot. get through this boss fight um you know probably because i'm an inept gamer but uh <laughs> also because it was just hard but i thought it was cool it was really neat to encounter that um and, and kind of a fun little boss fight, uh, you know, but once again, it's like, you get to those parts and it's like, okay, we could either go back the way we came or we could uh, turn on all of these generators and open this door. <laughs> it sounds like a terrible idea, but yeah, that's, that's where you come. And then we get to Seattle day three, which yep. uh, they get back to the aquarium. They amputate uh, Yara's arm and Lev is obsessed with trying to find his mother, but uh, Yara is trying to remind him that his mother is so deep in this cult that she, along with the Seraphites, want Lev dead for what he did and for shaving his head and for wanting to be a man. And she says, you can't go back. She will kill you. You don't understand like I do. Like you can't change mother. She's not our mother anymore. Um, and so Lev decides to take a boat and just head out to the Seraphite Island you also mm -hmm. find out that the wolves are planning a siege on the Seraphite Island at the same time. So all of this terrible things. And Abby is like, let's go save Lev, Yara, and myself. Um, and so that's what happens is they leave the aquarium and they head there. It's a kind of a cool um, mission. I, I definitely like the island area. Um, one of my favorite parts of the game, I think, yeah. you know, as a story arc for Abby, it's one of the first places that you see, you know, kind of a, a completely selfless compassion from her to say, you know, okay, I, yeah, I know the revenge and all that, but like, but I'm caring for these two people. They're almost like younger siblings to her, um, you know, and so she, this is the second or third time now that she goes completely out of her way to do things specifically just to help them, um, putting herself in, in harm's way. Um, yeah. So it's neat to get the backstory on the Seraphites to encounter the island. Um, I also think once we get to the siege, the the way that they did the siege and the fire, and it was just, it was hauntingly beautiful. Um, so this was probably one of my favorite parts of the whole game. 
uh, was playing through the island and getting through it and getting out of it. And um, but then I, I want to know what you thought of the boss fight on the pier when you, oh, when you fight yeah. the guy with the, the with the, the the pickaxe. Are you talking about that at the, yeah, end of the island? The guy with the pickaxe. Um, it's cool it's to like be able to do that in the fire rain. And yeah, you're like, how is this guy not dead yet? It's <laughs> it's fun to do those um, melee fights that Naughty Dog does in a lot of their games. There's always some kind of huge brute that you kind of boss fight at some point. Um, so it was very similar to that. So I had a lot of fun with that. The, the biggest thing though, I want to say about the Island level before we move on is, um, Abby has her biggest line in the whole game during this section. And it is when the wolves attack them and Abby, well, and Yara dies and Lev looks at Abby and he's like, but they killed her. Like they're, they killed her. Like your people killed Yara. And that's when Abby yes. says, you're my people now. Like, right. not them, you're my people now, which was so huge because that's Abby starting to break down that wall of revenge now and saying, like, I'm done with this. This is getting old, fighting people and fighting other things and seeking out this violence. Like, I am done with this. This isn't what I originally set out to do. And enough's enough you're my people, we're going to figure out things together, which was, I think, where Abby really turned into the character where we're like, oh, Abby is actually the character that we want. Um, right. and, and so we get to see that. So after all that, they head to the theater because they get back to the aquarium and they find everybody dead and Abby's pissed off and they're able to figure out that they're at the theater. And that's when we catch up to the story and we have probably one of the weirdest boss fights slash most thought-provoking boss fights ever in the theater because as abby you fight ellie right. um which i thought was great because you know <laughs> you would think that the first time that you encounter these two characters that you would probably fight as ellie against abby but now you come here and you've got to fight you know almost like fighting against yourself right? yeah you know not that you're playing as ellie but you probably you know maybe at this point have uh more care for ellie surviving than for abby surviving uh if not equal care for the two of them surviving um so i thought it was beautiful to pit you against yourself um or pit you as abby against ellie um and i thought it was also a neat scene you know kind of going around the the props and the backstage of the theater and the um the downstairs and all of that and and then knowing abby's skills against ellie's skills and having to match those things so i thought it was well done it was beautifully uh executed it's it's one of the first times in games i've actually not want to beat a boss yes i like i was very hesitant as i was doing it and at the very end you are just beating ellie to a pulp and dina comes to try and save the day and dina I can't remember if she gets gunshot or bow. She gets, she gets hit with something. And then at the last second, Ellie says she's pregnant while she's like through blood on her face. Um, yeah. And that's when Abby has the same moment that Ellie does where it's like, this isn't worth it. Um, well, and and so I think Abby has to ask herself, um, you know, I'm, I've came after the monster that Joel was, and now I'm coming after you, Ellie, you know, for, killing my friends and the monster that you are. And she has to ask herself, am I as bad as you are? 
Um, and I, I totally agree with you. You know, this was one of those places. It was like, is there an option to not fight? Like, can I just, can I just say no and go the other way? Can I not hit square? Um, so it was, you know, I thought that was great. And then this was a place where I also felt like, okay, like this is going to be, this is going to be the boss fight. And then this is going to be the end of the game. Yep. Um, you know, and then you go to the farm and you have that whole farm scene and maybe Just that's the end of the game. Wonderfully done. Wonderfully done. Um, um, Ellie gets yeah, the light I, that she wanted. Right. I think just if we're going to jump ahead into the farm real quick, um, I think to, it was really neat for me to see Naughty Dog put a normalcy on this relationship and this family unit and to say, look, like this is, this is post-apocalyptic, but like, look, they're on a farm, they're raising animals, they got a kid, they're like doing dishes and having kind of like little Life fights and dancing. Life is pretty good, you know, until you go to herd the sheep in. Yeah. Um, which is, I thought, another beautiful commentary. Uh, you know, you go, you herd the sheep in, and then you have this kind of flashback PTSD moment. Uh, you know, again, as I said earlier, trigger warnings. Like if you suffer from PTSD, this is probably not a wonderful experience for you reliving these things as Ellie. And, um, but I thought for those of us that do not suffer from PTSD, what a great uh, way to give us some compassion yeah. to say, Oh, now I, I understand. Cause I lived through watching Joel die and imagine if I was in a dark barn and had that kind of just invasive thought and sudden clutching of fear. Um, so I thought it was, it was excellent that they included that to say, you know, Ellie's gotten through this. She's living this perfect life, but it, it's not perfect. She's still haunted by these memories, by the past, by the potential for revenge. Um, and, so you and, get through all that and then we get Tommy. Well, so jumping back real quick, it kind of ties into this. So Abby decides to break the chain of violence. That's the problem in this world is this person kills this person. Then this person seeks revenge and kills that person. Then this person has somebody that comes and kills them. And it's going back and forth. And Abby's finally like, you know what? I'm realizing that this isn't going to end. Somebody's going to come after me. If I kill these people, I'm done. This is stupid. I'm out of here. Ellie's still obviously feeling that. And the PTSD is just hurting her. Um, we find out that Tommy's alive. Like Tommy gets shot during the confrontation and you think he might be dead but no, he's just kind of crippled now. Um, and his relationship is ending and he comes all the way out to the farm to ask Ellie to come with him to seek revenge on Abby. And of course, Dina's Ugh. not happy with that because yeah. she's like, this is enough. Knock it off. You're, we, I was not happy life. with that. Oh no, I hated Tommy in this moment. Hated him. Yeah, so I was like, much. Tommy, just give up. Like you are, you are a shell of a man. Just give it up. <laughs> Go live in Jackson, you know? No. And, um, and he plays the card on Ellie where he says, like, I don't have the capability to kill Abby, and you promised me that you would go yeah. and kill Abby. So, like, you're breaking a promise. Thanks a lot, jerk, and then leaves. Um, which, again, it eats it at, at Ellie. And so she decides to leave Dina and the baby, and Dina says, if you go, that's it. We're done. It's not happening. You're not going to come back to us. And Ellie still decides to go um, all the way to California to try and hunt down Abby, which we meet up with now. You get to be Abby and Lev who are on the hunt for the uh, remaining fireflies in California. Right. And they which find... I thought was such a, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Um, but they find, they find a link to them and they're all excited because they're going to reconnect with the fireflies. 
Um, so what, what were your thoughts about, about them, that being their mission of finding the fireflies? Um, well, two things, I think number one, I, I thought it was just neat to play in Santa Barbara. I, you know, you get the a whole different landscape, you know, the, um, California coastline, you know, very different vehicles, very different homes, very different, um, you know, remnants of, uh, life in the past, you get palm trees, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, so I thought that was really neat. I also found a lot of uh, kind of hope and excitement and optimism. Uh, you know, when you get to that part and you hear the radio and it's like, oh my gosh, there's fireflies out on, on Catalina Island. Um, you know, so I, there was a lot of excitement and hope there, uh, which is, you know, again, on the roller coaster, just as soon as you get all this excitement and hope, uh, it just gets completely taken away from you by these rattlesnakes uh, who come yeah. and the, the new faction, the Rattlers from California. Sorry, Rattlers, yeah. <laughs> seem like they might be the absolute worst of the worst because they are literally working in human trafficking um, and have slaves and all this thing. So they capture Abby. And this is soon after Abby and them get to California. So the timeline's a little messed up. So by the time Ab or Ellie gets to California looking for them, it's been four months since Abby and Lev were captured by right. you don't get a rattlers. sense of the exactly how much time ellie and them are on the farm i mean i guess you could you know based on uh looking at how old jj is uh and looking at you know okay you've got sheep and you've got fields and um so plus, plus the time it takes to travel to california from wyoming by horse or by foot or whatever at, you know ellie says it's probably right. going to take you know a, a, i'd say what a week or two maybe um, yeah, I'm also curious about all of the travels in between, you know, because uh, <laughs> this is one of those I'm like, okay, I've driven from Jackson, Wyoming <laughs> to Seattle, and I, that's a long way, you know, in a car, <laughs> let alone on a horse, you know, and, and now you're talking, you know, what, Jackson, Wyoming to, uh, to Santa Barbara? Yeah, Southern, Southern California, right? I mean, I mean that's... yeah. That had to um, at least taken a month, maybe. Well, Central California. But the, the problem is there's nothing in between. Like, no. there's Nevada. You know, so do you go down through Utah, <laughs> through Vegas? Uh, you know, maybe Last of Us Part Ooh, 3 is, uh, is, you know, Ellie's time in Vegas, <laughs> like, you know, coming yeah. through the infected. But, like, how do you make it across that desert? Or do you go back over to Portland and then down? Uh, you know, nobody's going through Reno. I don't know. So there were a lot of those kind of times where I was like, okay, hold up. Like this is, you're talking weeks to get, and this is another place where I was frustrated with the logistics of saying, look, Ellie, I know you're pissed off. I know that you want revenge on Abby, but you're talking about a thousand miles of traversing by foot or horse to go enact revenge and possibly die. Yeah. Well, and imagine, um, imagine Dina in this and why she was like, oh my we're gosh, done. Yeah. I'm not going to wait like two months to see if you're alive right. or not. Just and to go then, say hi to Santa Barbara and come back home. This is ridiculous. Even, so even, anyway. Um, um, so Ellie, <laughs> Ellie gets to California. She fights through the Rattlers. She finds out that Abby and Lev have been prisoners of this group. Um, and which, I, uh, by the way, the one cool scene was um, – her about to kill that one guy and being like, you tell me where they are. And he's like, I see that you just been bit. Like 
you you won't make it to our base by the time that you know you turn so here here's all the information you need <laughs> good luck you're dead and it's it's funny because you're like in your head you're like yeah except that doesn't that doesn't work for ellie so it was cool yeah. to see that it was also really neat to play through the santa barbara train station um especially like i've been there and it, yeah. you know, it looks very similar um so it was neat to play through those things uh it was also super frustrating to get through that house with all the shambler the what like two or three shamblers and the yeah. stalkers and you know it was like just when you thought you were done like here's some more fight no and um, I, I would say that last part in santa barbara is much more combat based than than uh stealth based because I, I felt like it was a little bit of both i played yeah. it completely stealth okay um so like by the time that i killed the last person like nobody still knew i was there um because that was the only way i could get through it because i kept failing <laughs> um but i also thought this was one of those places where it was like okay well how many other human beings am i gonna take out you know just to enact revenge on this one person like i just took out 30 people in this hotel um also another cool place where you get to pit infected against um humans yep. you know so you get to break the clickers free and then the clickers go and take out the humans yeah it's pretty um, awesome so that was a neat little place but then then let's get to the epilogue all right okay so we get down to the beach well, you mean we the get beach. to the, the beach uh <laughs> so we get down to the beach you get to the first person that you see on a pole that has this big long braid ponytail and then you realize that's not abby um, I don't know if you did the same thing I did there, but I, I, I went straight to that first person. No. Yeah. No, the first person right in front of you is a, is a ponytail in a braid and you think there she is. And you come around and you go, no, that's not her at all. You know? And so then finally you find Abby, but she doesn't look anything. She is, she is a shell of the killing machine. She was before. She's emaciated. Um, which bald. Yeah, I mean, it just gave me even more like, okay, I don't want this fight. And and then you cut her down and you ask her if they're, like, she tells you that there are boats. And so you're like, okay, maybe maybe because she's emaciated, maybe because she's been beaten and imprisoned and been hung, tortured. she's been tortured. Maybe you have compassion, you know, like, and she tells you there are boats. She and you and Lev go down to the beach and then Ellie's like, I'm not done. She has her moment where she's like, this was the, this nope. really bothered me. Yeah. This is, this is the boss fight that was hard because now you're control of Ellie. You're fighting Abby who cannot fight. She cannot, it's not an even fight at all. Right. She's well. And, and if I remember correctly, Ellie at this point is like bleeding a bunch. Oh yeah. And she's like, Cut up. both of them are not in any shape to fight. Um, and yet the game forces you to do it. And it was hard. Um, this was it the was place where I'm hard. like, I, I am done pressing square. You know, I'm, I'm completely done. Um, and then you get that but, moment where you're drowning Abby and she is about to die, literally about to die. And all of a sudden Ellie lets go right. and rolls away and that's it she finally had that moment that you know abby had it you know way back when that why did i do this why well and why also at I this point abby has taken her pound of flesh mm -hmm. literally she's bitten off two of ellie's fingers so ellie's now bleeding out into the water um 
you know so so it is this point where it's like fine okay i give up yep um so we jump now very end epilogue ellie is back yeah. at the farm they could have ended it there i could have ended it after the fight we <laughs> no. go back to the farm <laughs> oh, that would have been awful and um <laughs> ellie gets back to the farm and what does she find a completely empty farm completely empty house no sight or trace of dina and all that's left in the house is the one room that ellie used and all of her stuff has been packed in there all the stuff you collected and ellie's guitar that she was given by joel and ellie decides to pick up the guitar and play the song that we've heard so many times throughout this game mm-hmm. and she can't play it because right. of the fingers that she lost in the fight with abby and the metaphor and moment of this i think is just unbelievable that showing what revenge can do to your life and how literally ellie has nothing left um including this one memory of joel she had she can't even do that right i think the the message to say you know that seeking revenge uh and holding on to this kind of grudge is going to cost you you know, maybe not your life, um, but it will cost you all of the most meaningful parts of your life. Um, so, you know, I think this was just a beautiful ending to the game. Um, you also get the, is this right before or right yep. after no, so you get the flashback? After, after that scene, you to get Joel, the flashback. Yep, to Joel. Where, because where you, where you learn that they haven't been speaking for a long time, um, where Joel does step up and, and is kind of a jerk, but is also kind of trying to defend her. Um, it's also the moment where you realize the the line that, you know, was haunting for me, uh, you know, where it was uh, something to the effect of, you know, I don't know if I, for- I can forgive you, um, but I'm, I'm gonna try to learn how. I'm gonna you know, try like and that. do it. I'm gonna try right. and do it. And, and this scene was actually the night before Joel dies, like in the timeline, which was what was so crushing to me. I'm sitting there watching Joel and her kind of start to reconcile from what happened and like let's make things better and then i'm like oh my god this is the last time that she talked to joel like yeah the last thing she ever said to joel is i will try to i will work on trying to forgive you which yeah, goes so back this to- is um i, I just want to say it because i pulled it up yeah um so and this is um the night before joel's death um, that Joel isn't regretful about all the things that he's done, um, right? Which, which gives you the both uh, that he, you know, would have killed everybody all over again, but that's how much he cares for Ellie. Correct. Um, so he says, if somehow the Lord gave me a second chance at that moment, I would do it all over again. And Ellie says, I don't think I can ever forgive you for that, but I'd like to try. Um, and I think that's the point where, you know, you get that if only you can have that same attitude towards Abby, you know, I don't know if I can ever forgive you for that, but I'd like to try. Maybe you can have a better life. Um, it finally popped up, I think. And I, I'm wondering if that's kind of what went through her head as she's holding Abby under the water, killing her. Right. And realizing that, like, this has all been because forgiveness is not a present thing in this society. Yeah. Um, and that's, but that's the message I got from it, you know, was that yeah. that idea of maybe I'd like to try. Uh, to forgive Abby you know, was the thing that prevented her from killing Abby at the end. Um, so then we roll credits and we get the shot of the beach and the boat 
that Neil Druckmann has confirmed is a shot of Avalon and does suggest that Abby and Lev made it all the way to Catalina. I figured they would. I mean, after that, that's what I just assumed is they're going to make it there and that's going to be fine. Um, you know, just after what happened with, with, with Ellie. So for me, it was like, okay, yeah, that's completely, that has to be where, where it is. Um, Granted that's 30 miles of rowing that boat, but it's true. My (laughs) thing is to, to kind of conclude my thoughts on this and ideas with this is um, there has been talk about a last of us part three. Naughty dog has said they haven't decided what they're doing, but what is on the table is a last of us part three. They're either going to do last of us part three, or they're going to do a completely new IP Um, in your eyes. Is that the end of Ellie's story? Should it be the end of Ellie's story? And do we maybe now see an Abby in Last of Us Part 3? Or is this still Ellie's, you know, story all the way? And this is a trilogy for for Ellie in her life. I think what you need in The Last of Us Part 3 is because the last scene you see of Ellie is her walking away from the farm. Yeah, with nothing. She's going someplace. Mm Mm-hmm. And you don't know if she's going back to Jackson, if she's going someplace else, if she's, who knows. But I think what Last of Us Part 3 needs, um, you know, Last of Us Part 2 is very much about revenge. Last of Us Part 3 needs to be completely about forgiveness. And I think that if you had a Last of Us Part 3 that centers around the idea of forgiveness, uh, Ellie's eventually getting past the idea of revenge and maybe trying to get back to Santa Barbara, um, which we now know is quite a haul from Jackson. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe you play through Ellie in Vegas, um, Ellie in the desert. I don't know. That could be fun. Um, and maybe you get a chance to meet up with Ellie and Abby again in Catalina. Yeah. Where both of them work together to try to find a cure. Well, the thing is, they never, like, had a discussion, the two of them. Like, Ellie said, I know why you killed Joel. And it wasn't because Ellie was the cure. I don't even know. Does Ellie, to this day, know that her dad was murdered by Joel? Abby, you mean? Yeah. Like, does she know that that was Abby's, like, on the recording, saying, like, they killed the doctor? But I don't think she ever said it was my dad. I don't know. I, I tried to remember back to see well, I think knew. I think you know that Joel killed all the fireflies. Correct. And so I think there's an assumption, you know, my dad got killed by the guy who killed all the fireflies. Um, so I think that's there. But I, I, I do would think, just like to see that discussion between them. Sure. Have an actual, or or like, even the discussion of, you know, maybe you're not a doctor, but maybe you picked something up that might help. Uh, you know, so maybe Abby has some sort of medical know-how. Maybe the people in Catalina have some sort of medical know-how. Exactly. Maybe Ellie as this kind of, you know, linchpin, uh, one immune person. I, I think there's still more story to tell and I would be extremely disappointed um, if they dropped it here and said, that's it. We just get part two. I, I deeply think that they are working on a part three. Um, I think that, you know, in some of the interviews I've seen with Druckmann saying, you know, well, you know, we can't really talk about it, but you know, maybe uh, suggest to me that it's a, yeah, he's I also think it would it. be it would be it. stupid of them not to pull all of the power of the PS5 into making the most beautiful game we've ever seen. Oh God! Um, I but I think I think that would be a magical thing four years from now that we have The Last of Us Part Three 
and we tell the story of forgiveness and healing and and mending all of the broken things so in conclusion in conclusion where do you put this like is this your game of the year is this your game of the generation is this you know is this a 10 out of 10 Um, or what what is your thoughts uh, overall on the the entire game after you know we talked about the story and and kind of the the meaning behind it yeah for me it's a 10 out of 10 uh it's definitely game of the year uh i think from my standpoint uh i really appreciate that naughty dog took a lot of risk Mm-hmm. in telling the story that they told in telling it the way that they told it uh it's the thing that's amazing about what can happen when uh somebody who is an artist has done enough commerce that the commerce people let them create art um this is like you know after christopher nolan had proven that he could do all of the things that christopher nolan does then he can go out and make inception and dunkirk and you know, whatever other movies well, Christopher Nolan does. The other one would um, be Hideo Kojima with Death Stranding. Like, yeah, absolutely. That Although was a that's risk. a contentious game because a lot of people don't like delivering <laughs> packages. But it's a risk. Um, but yeah, I think I think it, it was a risk. I think it paid off. It told a story. It was beautiful art. Um, I don't know how you don't give Last of Us Part Two Game of the Year. I think it will win Game of the Year just because of the risk, the storytelling, all that. I'm playing Ghost of Tsushima right now, like I said, and a lot of people are like, oh, this game's amazing. Like, this is probably my game of the year. And I think it's because it's just a fun, monotonous, direct, open-world game that we're used to so many. I mean, there's like hundreds of these games out right now. Right. And Assassin's I'm like, Creed Japan. It's, it's a great game. It's fun. Last of Us 2, I will say, was not fun because it made me think it made me have to like really think about myself and really hate some of the things that I did in the game and that feeling and that ability to make us think that as a gamer is something I don't think we've ever seen. And it may be hard to ever see that again until we get a last of us part three. Um, Yeah. I think, I think it was, uh, it does also beg the question and this is the same question that uh, I always ask when the Academy Awards come around, which is, you know, should the Academy Award be the most popular movie uh, or should it be the best movie? And from my standpoint, it should be the best movie. And I think game of the year should be the best game, not necessarily the one that most people liked, not the most action, not the highest box office sales. Um, I mean, you look at the hurt locker, uh, which, you know, was like less than a million dollars in box office sales when it got um, the Academy Award but it was an amazing film. Correct. Um, and I think that that's where Last of Us Part Two should take the cake for Game of the Year. Um, and I would say it's it's with definitely within the top five games of the decade. Okay. I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I, I Only because you have Red Dead and Last of Us Part One in the decade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what a decade it was for us to get yeah. both, you know, both Last of Us, um, some Red Dead in there. Um, we've had an amazing and this is kind of the end this is the end of the ps4 the xbox one um what a generation it was to have last was part two red dead redemption 2 um all of the exclusives we had death stranding um bloodborne it's it's awesome to see and i'm really excited to see what comes next with ps5 and the new xbox um coming up but um do you have any other thoughts uh nope i would just say this is an amazing game um Go play it. Uh, make sure that you're emotionally and mentally prepared and have a Take good, uh, 
good system of people you can talk to. Um, yep. But I would say this is an amazing game and I would recommend that everybody play it because I think that it can make us talk about a lot of essential things. And that's what we need to be doing is talking about essential things that are hard. Um, that being said, if you're under the age of 35, maybe don't play it. Uh, just kidding. Pro- probably, you know, but I would not let my kids play this game. Oh, uh, no. And yeah, that's, that's all I got. And then okay. you've gotten wrapping it up. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us for our very first ever spoiler cast. Um, who knows when we'll do this again? Uh, what game will really make us want to discuss about it and talk about it? Probably cyberpunk if we both are able to finish that, but I have a feeling that'll never <laughs> If happen. we ever get it. That too. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Again, make sure you guys uh, follow Crossfire Faith and Gaming on Facebook. Uh, follow, subscribe to our youth, YouTube channel and our Spotify or iTunes podcast. Anything that podcast services are on, we are there. And make sure you do that so you guys get notified when these type of things go live. We have a lot of fun stuff coming up, so make sure uh, you hang out with us and uh, keep uh, participating in the wonderful Crossfire community that we have. So until next time, I'm Russ Dornish. And I'm David Petty, and we will see you around. God bless you. Bye-bye. Bye.